You're listening to a Chicago Sports Nation production, enhancing your Chicago sports fan experience. Well, come on, baby, don't you wanna go? Well, come on, baby, don't you wanna go? Back to the same old place, sweet home, Chicago. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning back into Shy Sox Weekly, presented to you by White Sox Nation and Wegard Enterprises. Today is our fourth episode. I am John Suarez, joined by my co-host, Tony Marchese. Tony, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. It was quite an interesting day yesterday at the ballpark. Not exactly the ending to a good home opener that started out very promising that, that everybody was looking for. I'm a little deflated after it. But through the first week of the season, we're 3-3. Three and three. That's a 500 ball club. That's pretty much on pace for what I expected the Sox to be at this point. John, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I would be doing a lot better if I didn't have to work and couldn't get my shift covered yesterday and could have been with you. For those of you that don't know, Tony did take in the home opener at the lovely guaranteed rate field yesterday. Got a little snow there, didn't you, Tony? Yeah, we did. It was actually kind of cool watching the... The game in the snow, it's not something that you normally experience when you're at the ballpark, but it was kind of a cool scene. I wasn't really bothered by it. We were sitting in the club level on the right field side. There wasn't much wind blowing at us, so it was, it was kind of comfortable. Plus, the good thing about club levels, you could always just go right back inside and warm up. But I didn't feel like it was actually that cold there yesterday. Might have been a different story if I was sitting down the third base side. It was a good time, though, up until... Yeah. Well, yeah, the ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I am a little bit jealous. I am going to get up to a uh, game here in the coming weeks. I'm actually going to go uh, Saturday the 21st, uh, quarter zip pullover day. We were talking about it on the first podcast. But they're playing the defending champion Astros, so I'm real excited to get out there and uh, see what they can do against the defending champion. That should be a, a good series to watch, and it should really test you know, what the – what the team is going to be going forward three and three through the first week that's 500 like i said three and three doesn't even really speak for how well they've been playing tony i mean they should honestly probably be like what do you think five and one yep five and one and i think a lot of the problems that we've seen so far are it are coming from the bullpen the offense has absolutely been there this team is still yep this this team is still scoring runs the way that they did in spring training but the bullpen and some of the bullpen usage is a little bit suspect, in my opinion. So right now, as a whole, the Sox have six guys hitting above 300 through one week of play, which is solid. That's good offense. But like you said, the bullpen play has been abysmal. And the thing is, is that the defense hasn't been spectacular either. They've been missing plays that should be very makeable. No, and Tim Anderson has had a couple suspect errors as well uh, when we are talking about the defense. But overall, I'm I'm somewhat okay with how the defense is played. It it's really been the bullpen that I want to dig into. Yeah, I feel like with Timmy, you get what you get. I mean, he's his offense has been incredible. He's generated so many runs. He might even be like a top run generator by the end of the year. I think he's like four for four on stolen bases. He has a total of seven runs scored. So he's second on the team behind Matt Davidson. But that's just because of the home runs. So that'll drop and Tim's will go up. Tim Anderson's very, very, he's become a very valuable offensive option. Yes, and the base running, like you touched on there, has been, I think, his greatest asset. 
yesterday there was a fly ball that was hit very weakly into the outfield. 250 feet. 250 feet. I looked it up. Yep, it was 250 feet. And he absolutely burned down the line and scored a run that I don't think many players in this game can score. And the passion that he showed when he scored that run, he got up screaming, beating his chest. That's passion that we haven't seen out of the White Sox in quite some time. Years. That dude gets lit. That dude is my spirit animal. I love it when Tim Anderson gets hyped because I get hyped. I don't know about you, but Tim Anderson really gets me going. Yeah, he does. And I think that that's going to be one of the qualities that keeps him on the White Sox. I was having a discussion with uh, my buddy I went to the game with yesterday about Tim Anderson and about this exact topic. When Tim Anderson plays this way, Granted, the defense needs to pick up a little bit, but why would you go and sign a Manny Machado if you have a young Tim Anderson? He's just an epitome of just a guy that goes out and gives 110% every day. He yeah. doesn't care what the score in the game is. He doesn't care what the count is. He just goes out and he lays it all on the line. I love it. And we missed that at Becker in him last year, and granted, he had a lot going on, but I love that he's back to like rookie Tim Anderson. Yeah, and that's why... When I talked about this in one of the last podcasts, I don't think that you go and sign a Manny Machado. I think that Tim Anderson is the long-term shortstop for the White Sox, and I think that he's only going to continue to improve. The hitting is there. The base running is there. The fielding has been there. It's not like he's been a terrible career fielder. But, I mean, through eight games, he's scored seven runs, seven hits, three homers, four RBIs, He's got three walks on the year, and yeah, four stolen bases to the tune of a 304 batting average, and his on base is sitting at 385 with an OPS of 1080. That's not the kind of guy that you go out and then, you know, sign a Manny Machado or another shortstop over him. I think he's got potential to continue to grow and become a leader for this team. If you think about it, he was really the first person called up through our minor league system that's on this team, the first big name. Probably Rodon. Yeah, Rodon as well. But it's this is if you think back, this is Tim and Rodon's team. Oh yeah. So, I I really think that Tim Anderson has a chance to be a top shortstop in the American League if he continues to grow. And not even that. The thing is, is that Tim Anderson's not moving out of short. He can't go play second. He can't go play third. Shortstop is his position. So if we were to Machado, Machado would have to play third. And let's talk about who's playing third right now. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> this was also brought up at the game yesterday. The guy that I called for this you know, is their starting third baseman this year, Yomer Sanchez. This guy's going off too. In fact, he's leading the team in a multiple categories. Uh, let's literally every category, but like home runs and RBIs. And he's got a 400 batting average. His on base percentage is 500. He's slugging 800. OPS 1300. He's got a double. He's got he he had two triples in the game yesterday. He's also homered this year. You show me someone that gets on base at a 500 clip, and I'm going to show you a winning ball club. That's ridiculous. If he can continue that pace of just getting on base of at least like over 400 all year, that's going to be a pleasant surprise in what is now the bottom of the order, but what is soon to be the top of the order if he keeps this up there for sure. Well, yeah, I think Yolmer is probably pegged to move up in the order. I would maybe slot him in at number two, maybe even give him a shot in the leadoff spot. I would give him leadoff. 
he's earned it. He hits triples. He gets on base. He's quick. He's got that little agileness to him. You know, he's quirky. So I would definitely give him a shot in the leadoff role. I don't think we've ever seen him in the leadoff role. We might have, but not to my recollection. There may have been a few games last year that he he was slotted in there, but I can't really remember any. But yeah, I think he's got potential to get into that leadoff spot and wreak a little bit of havoc. Another guy I'd like to see move up in the order is Tim Anderson, as we were just touching on. But then if you're moving Yolmer up and then you go to try and move Tim Anderson up, who are you going to start to move down? Well, I think there's one somewhat obvious answer here, and that would be Yon Mankata. Mankata was a slow starter. He did this last year. As of right now, he's on a clip to strike out like 200 times this year. He has 11 strikeouts through six games. That is not good. He's hitting 154, so below 200. And... I just don't really see him being a leadoff guy. So I think you can move him down, but then you start to get into like the Avi Garcia, Jose Abreu, Matt Davidson, and it's like, you really mess that up. You start mixing up with that. Because that's been working so far. It's only a weekend, you know, so I don't want to jump the gun on any of it, but Mankata really needs to pick it up or he's going to start being a nine Well, I also think Avi Garcia might benefit from a little bit of a move down in the order as well. He seems to be grounding into a lot of double plays. He's got three of them already on the year. Uh, I've noticed that in Toronto in the Toronto series, but I think Avi is probably better off in the five spot somewhere around there, with uh, Matt Davidson and Jose Abreu in the three four, and then Wellington after him. But I think that that order right now could easily go: Yolmer, Anderson, Abreu, Davidson, Garcia. Castillo, and then Moncada angle. And I think it would take a lot of the pressure off of Moncada. I really think that's what it is, just in that leadoff spot. It's it's the pressure. Speaking of Yo and Moncada, while we're on the topic, uh, yesterday we had a little run-in with a very prestigious uh, White Sox Twitter personality. Well, just a White Sox personality in general. Chuck Garfine had quote-tweeted a tweet from Shy Sox Weekly's Twitter account. The tweet itself said, do we start to worry about, when do we start to worry about Yoa Mankata? And Chuck Garfine quoted the tweet and said he was inches away from a Grand Slam yesterday, period. Chucky G was mad. He was big time mad (laughs) that we think that Yoa Mankata is not really producing. And he isn't. He has 11 strikeouts. So you got to look at it broad spectrum, like bigger picture. This dude's literally a, a, a rich guy's Todd Frazier. If he's got the power, if he's barreling baseballs, it doesn't matter because he's striking out more than he's getting on base. Well, let me just explain a little bit uh, behind that that tweet that was sent out. Uh, it was in reference to Chuck Garfine's scoreboard uh, shot with everybody's batting averages, and at at quick glance, you look you look at Yon Moncada's batting average, and it was if not the worst, one of the worst on the teams. And if you follow White Sox Dave on Twitter, Barstool White Sox Dave, Redline Radio host, he seems to get added a lot with people asking him, should we be worried about Yon Moncada? And I think it's hilarious how upset he gets with people asking him that question. So I figured that it would be an appropriate time to ask White Sox Dave if we're worried about Yon Moncada. I'm not worried about Yon Moncada. I just wanted to see what the reaction would be. Apparently, I got a a decent reaction out of Chuck. 
like I touched on a little bit earlier, I, I think this is a spotlight thing. He was the number one prospect. You have him batting leadoff. I think he just needs to get, you know, away from the spotlight. And I don't think he's really, like you said, either. Like, he's not a leadoff guy. I think he'd be better batting at the bottom of the order. Regardless of how hard he's hitting baseballs, we do want to see the strikeout rate go down. And maybe this is one of the things. Maybe I need to rip on Yon Moncada a little bit here, and he'll turn it around. It, it, the strategy seems to work. Anytime I rip on somebody, they start to to prove me wrong. So let's put Yon Moncada under the microscope here. I just thought it was interesting, getting back on the Chuck Garfine thing, that, I mean, while he does interact with people, he really doesn't that often. I was scrolling through his Twitter feed, and he hasn't replied to a fan's tweet in, like, a week. And the yeah. only that he quotes are like the White Sox talk, the NBC White Sox page. So that like really got under his skin. Like he was I, I, I feel bad that that was our first interaction with Chuck because the tweet in itself was kind of a sarcastic tweet yeah. that I sent. Uh, because like I said, I'm not really worried about Yon Moncada. I, th- I think he will figure it out. I think he's going to be an also. I, I, I'm on record on the last podcast saying that I think Yon Moncada is going to have more all-star appearances than Jose Abreu and Avisel Garcia combined. I think he just needs some time to figure it out. I am not a Yon Moncada warrior. I just like to maybe get a little sarcastic on the Twitter sometimes. So I, I find it very surprising that, that, that Chuck replied with such fire. But it did spark it did spark somewhat of an argument with people uh because we do have some people who started to defend <laughs> the position that that Yon Moncada is not going to not going to work out or that he's terrible um it, he has had quite a brutal start to the season but again i i'm not worried i think maybe he just just needs a little bit of time and and like i said maybe a move in the batting order uh from that leadoff spot and i think he'll be fine especially when it starts to warm up yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I actually met Chucky G last year at the Cubs Sox game, and he's actually a really nice dude. So it's all love right there. We're all White Sox fans. We're all White Sox personalities. So if anything, it was just more so playful banter. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I said, <laughs> I'm not a Yon Moncada doubter. Uh, we love Chuck Garfine. We love all the work that he does uh, covering this team and and. Uh, it was just kind of funny, like we said, to see him him come, come right back at us with that, <laughs> that was, He was quick with it. I was at work. That's the, the, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I was at work, and my phone is just, mm, 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 and I'm like, what the heck is going on right now? I pull it up, and I'm like, Chuck Garfine quote tweeted me. What? I look at the Twitter, and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, oh, it was that was good stuff. That was good stuff. All right. Well, moving on. There, there was actually – more than one baseball game played over the last week here. And we did break down opening day extensively in our last podcast. Let's start to talk about a few of these other games. The Saturday game that the Sox played against the Royals ended up a 4-3 winner for the White Sox. It was the second game in a row that they had kind of handed it to Kansas City, which was nice to see. The other game in that series did get rained out, so I'll take the sweep in our first series. This was the Giolito start, and Lucas looked somewhat all right. I don't think he actually had his best stuff on the, in, in this game. I think he looked rocky to start. The thing is, is that he gave up a majority of those runs in the first inning. So he kind of calmed down a little bit afterward, in my opinion. 
you'd like to see him start strong, especially with how the bullpen's going. Yeah, he did give up the two runs in the first. He gave up one more in the third, but he was clean for the rest of the game. He did get through six innings, and he did only give up four hits, which you don't want to see, though, is the four walks that he gave up. That's kind of a large amount of walks for a starting pitcher to be given up uh, through six innings. Don't like giving out those free passes. He How many it... strikeouts did Giolito have? Giolito only struck out one batter. Yeah, four, uh, one to four. Yeah, you can yeah, and this was this was a good game to see Soria come in and actually close it out. It kind of gave some definition to who's going to be in that closer role. Farquhar ended up with the win, and Nate Jones did make it through a scoreless inning and struck out two batters. The, the pitching was, was overall pretty decent that game. On the offense, you did see Moncada hit a home run in the eighth inning off of Maurer with nobody out, so that was kind of good to see. Uh, and then you got more RBIs out of... Davidson and Castillo. Castillo came through with a clutch two-out RBI as well during that game. Yeah, that uh, he had that two-run double that put us ahead. So we were actually down three to one. I remember that game, and then Mankata let off the eighth with that home run. So that kind of set the tone, and that's basically just going to bring us back to our motto of the year: just Ricky's boys don't quit. They didn't quit, and they just kept fighting. It's the first of many that you're going to see. Yep, and then obviously, like we said, the the game the next day was postponed due to cold. And then we took a trip up to Toronto. Yeah, that trip up to Toronto was... Uh, we didn't pull that uh, that closing game out. That would have been uh, quite a forgettable series. First game, the Sox actually were winning one to nothing. Uh, a majority of the game, that was the Ronaldo Lopez start. And he looked phenomenal. He was sitting at like 97 the whole game. I didn't know that he had that type of velocity, that consistent velocity. And... You would just kind of like to see him hit his breaking pitches more. You know, he was missing his slider low and away a lot. But other than that, he looked phenomenal. He looked like our best pitcher so far through the week, in my opinion. I don't know about you. Yeah, his stuff was electric that day. And yeah. I really didn't didn't really think about that either coming into this. He outshined Giolito uh, the first time through the rotation. Uh, and he obviously outshined uh, James Shields. So I, I really like what I saw out of Lopez. That velocity was excellent. But there was one guy, I think, who really, really shined in this game. That was Mr. Castillo. He had two solo home runs, not just one. And they were both shots. Like, once they left the bat, you knew. You were like, oh, God, here it goes. You would like to see them generate more runs than two solo home runs. That kind of basically brought us to our demise in that game. Right when they, uh, or actually Lopez gave up the home run to uh, Josh Donaldson. He started blowing on the whistle. You remember that? Yep. And that was, uh, that was, Josh Donaldson is now public enemy number one. <laughs> well, actually, it was explained. I don't know if you, I read into that because I was like, there's no, I mean, Josh Donaldson's a cocky dude. So I like looked into it. And I guess Daryl Boston, are the Sox first base coach, Debo, he has this whistle that he blows to kind of like uh, position his outfielders, like he'll blow it and he'll like kind of like to get their attention. And I guess he's done this for quite some time. I personally have never even picked up on it being at the park. I never have heard it, but the players hear it. So Josh Donaldson kind of asked around, he asked his coaches, I want to say that NBC Chicago put out an article, I was reading it. He asked around about his coaches, and his coaches basically like kind of snitched on him and told Debo, like, hey, Josh Donaldson knows about this whistle you blow, and it pisses him off. So when, jo when, jo uh, when Josh Donaldson was up to bat, 
the first time, I think he struck out, or, he, you know, he grounded out. Debo, like, blew the whistle when he stepped into the batter's box because he knew he was trying to get into his head. So, honestly, in my opinion, I'm not going to be biased about it. I'm a huge Sox fan. That was warranted. I think it's funny now looking back on it, now that I kind of have that background knowledge on it. And then there was also a video that they put out the next day of, like, uh, Daryl Boston blowing the whistle at Josh Donaldson while he was warming up, and they kind of tip their caps to each other. So I don't think there's any bad blood from that scenario, but we definitely still hate Marcus Stroman. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that there's there's some bad blood between the Sox and the Blue Jays, and it'll be interesting to see you know, what happens the next time these two teams meet. It'll be interesting to see if Donaldson's in pinstripes next year. You know, you never know. <laughs> so, Yep, that's true. Try, he is a free agent. Try not to hate him right now. <laughs> I can still hate Marcus Stroman. Well, we've got oh, Yomer Sanchez. We don't need Josh Donaldson <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> at the moment, for one week of baseball. So, But that brings me to my next point, is they brought in Danny Farquhar, and he came in and he gave up that two-run shot to uh, Russell Martin that put the Blue Jays ahead. So what had happened was Donaldson hit that home run, tied the game. Wellington Castillo came right back. I think he was the first hitter the next inning. Shut him up right away. Another home run. So we're up 2-1 to one at that point. And then the very next inning, they bring in Farquhar. Farquhar comes in, gives up a two-run home run. They bring him in again in the eighth. This is where I don't get this, Tony. They keep doing this, and it's going to really get on my nerves all season. But they keep Farquhar in for one batter in the eighth, and he gives up a home run. And then they take him out. So like what like they were only down by one with the whole Ricky's boys don't quit a three to two lead in the ninth inning is a whole lot different than a four to two lead in the ninth inning it's depleting so that was aggravating to see the bullpen usage right there other than that it was nice to see Wellington Castillo's bat wake up for one game other than that game he really hasn't done much he's showed the clutch factor but he hasn't really got on base other than the big moment yeah and that game could have been a win for the White Sox now we'll move on to Tuesday to. Did they play a game on Tuesday? Because it didn't look like they showed up to me. They showed up for like a half an hour. Yeah, Tuesday was very forgettable. I personally didn't watch very much of this game. I had a few other things going on at the time. 14-5 to shellacking of the White Sox on Tuesday from the Blue Jays. That was the Miguel Gonzalez start. He didn't seem to have his best stuff at all. Gave up six runs in five innings only struck out four, gave up two homers. They did score a run in the fir- in the second, uh, and then consecutively the fourth through the sixth. Uh, although five runs, you can expect a win out of that, but not when you're already down six to two in the fourth. The and thing was, give up a big, big eighth inning. They brought it back. It was like seven to five, wasn't it? At one point, it was really close. I remember, like, I remember watching that game and being like, "All right, we could do this." And then the bullpen, bullpen came in and gave up like a nine-run inning or something. 7-5 to five in the seven bottom run. of the eighth, and then they came out with a seven-run inning. Yeah, they quit then and there. They weren't quitting up until that, but once that seven-run inning happened, I actually watched it all the way through, to be honest, too. I think they got another run in the ninth. Someone hit a home run. I think it was Yolmer. That game was... Yeah, no, they didn't score in the ninth. They, their last run came in the eighth. That was their, their fifth run. Solo uh, home run. Yeah, it was Yomer Sanchez who hit an eighth-inning home run off of off of Tyler Clippard. That's what pulled them within. And then, yeah, the team just kind of fell apart there. And a lot of that was a lot of that was the bullpen again. Infante, in a third of an inning, gave up three hits, five runs, all of them earned to the tune of a thirty-three point seven five ERA. And then Juan Manaya 
coming in for another third. Uh, he did give up a hit, but he didn't. He didn't give up any runs and got out of the got out of that eighth. But just probably the worst inning that the White Sox have had this season. Gregory Infante's ERA after the fiasco in extra innings yesterday as well. He's appeared in three games and he's only pitched. Oh my god, this is so bad. He's only pitched one and two thirds innings, but he's given up seven. That's not good. That's, That's someone that'll lose you ball games. Yep. This, this actually be five and one, dude. I'm sold on it. That the, the bullpen is literally what is going to screw us over this year. Well, it looks like a, it looks like Infante is absolutely one of the culprits here. Let's talk about the other White Sox win, or the third win of the season. That came in Toronto. Yeah, that was a good game. Much, that was Bulmer's start. Yep, pretty much saved the Toronto series. And shout out to Carson Fulmer. He looks strong. He's just listening to that first podcast. I think he plays your first podcast like Rocky does that music every morning, and he just works out to just us just trashing Carson Fulmer because he is showed out every single start. Yep, and he did exactly what a fifth starter is supposed to do. The numbers don't jump off the page as this is outstanding, but this is serviceable major league fifth starter material right here. And I actually liked when Ricky went out to go grab Carson during that game. As soon as he started to run into trouble, he was on a short leash, took him right out, and I think that was that was a good managerial move from Ricky in that game. But Carson was strong through it. He got through five innings. You would have liked to see him get the win. Yeah, he was in line to get the win, and then the bullpen came out and almost blew it. Yep, bullpen again. But Carson was strong, so we'll take that from Carson. Keep doing it. Otherwise, we're going to have to get back and... And rip him again. That was another Ricky's boys don't quit. Abreu hit that uh, dead center moonshot in the eighth inning to put him ahead. And just kept the lead from there. Yep. So was it. That was a good way to end the series in Toronto and come back to Chicago. And let's briefly kind of touch on what happened yesterday. Yeah. So yesterday the White Sox were winning their home opener seven to four going into the ninth inning, and they lost. And why did they lose? Uh, bad bullpen usage. I Bad think that you have a little bit of a theory on it, so I'm going to kind of hand that one over to you. But I agree 100% with this theory that you have, so let's hear it. Well, my theory was this bullpen was mismanaged during this game. After James Shields goes five innings, giving up three runs, which we have said with this offense is enough for the Sox to win a ball game, especially when you're up by three, four runs. Let's look at what Ricky Renteria did. He brings in Danny Farquhar. Farquhar goes an inning and a third, striking out three batters and not giving up a hit. Great. Looked great. This is in the sixth. In the seventh inning, with one out, Ricky Renneria brings in Luis Avalon. Avalon strikes out two batters. They're through the seventh inning clean. Who does Ricky Renneria bring in in the eighth? Nate Jones. Nate Jones gives up three hits and a run, but does make it through the eighth. And then we bring in Soria to close. And Surya just gets demolished. Four hits, gives up three runs. Ball game's tied. We're going to extras. Now, my point that I want to make here is that Nate Jones should have never been used in this game. Danny Farquhar makes it through an inning and a third. And I don't care about situational matchups at this point. The guy hadn't given up a hit. Leave him in there to finish off the seventh and use Avalon in the eighth. Maybe it was Nate Jones' day to go. But when you have Farquhar clean striking out three of the four batters that he's faced, there's really no reason to 
go to Avalon. I'm pretty sure it was probably a lefty-righty matchup thing here. I don't exactly know who the batters were that he faced at that point in time. But I leave Farquhar in to finish off that seventh inning and go to Avalon in the eighth. They were the two best pitchers that the Sox had that day. They were. And, I mean, it could have been pitch count related. Farquhar had kind of pitched a lot in the last couple of days, so you never know there. But I 100% agree with you. You know, yeah, you, I think, you got a guy in there that struck out three. He's clearly dominating the order at that point through an inning and a third. So you, you give him the benefit of the doubt. You let him finish those two outs, and then you bring Avalon in for the eighth. And then, in my opinion, you bring Nate Jones in to close that. I mean, they're going to bring in Soria because Soria is supposed to be our closer. But Soria is the one that really lost that game. They had two yeah, outs. But, yeah, they but two outs, and they were up by the three. other. The other thing is here is if, if Avalon pitches the eighth and gets through it clean, he obviously had good stuff yesterday. If Nate Jones doesn't give up that run in the eighth inning, that gives Soria an extra run to play with there in the ninth. And you also have Nate Jones to come in if Soria starts giving up runs. It's kind of more of an insurance policy at that point. I, I think they really like Nate Jones in that eighth inning setup spot. But I think Avalon does have the stuff to cover in an eighth inning. I'm just a little bit suspect of the bullpen usage yesterday. I think that yeah. it could have been the difference between you know win versus our extra innings loss that we had here. But that's all I've got to say about that. Have to monitor that situation going forward with Ricky's bullpen usage. He doesn't really exactly have a ton of pieces to play with. Uh, we'd like to see, like we said earlier, uh, you know some of these bullpen guys kind of try and figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, in my opinion, the Tigers didn't win that game. The Sox lost it. And like you said, the bullpen management was just terrible yesterday. I was waiting for them to pan the camera into the dugout and me see Robin Ventura. That was deja vu all over again. Like We've seen that. I don't want Ricky to go down that path. I actually really like Ricky Renteria as a manager, but he's really got to start managing that bullpen properly. Yeah, I think that's a hot topic through through all of baseball and bullpen usage. And you especially start to see this especially blow up in the playoffs. The Sox, if all goes well, is, are, they're going to be a playoff team. Maybe not this year, but definitely, you know, in contention for this, you know, 2019, 2020, we should be in the playoffs. Granted, this is the first week of the season, but we still want to see good bullpen usage and we want to see the right decisions made. I know it's probably the toughest thing and it's easier said than done, you know, from, from where we're sitting rather than where Ricky's sitting. But, we do want to see the bullpen succeed, and we want to close games out and get wins. Yeah, that uh, that should probably about do it for this week's episode of Shy Sox Weekly. The Sox host the Tigers throughout the rest of the weekend. They are off uh, today, which is Friday, depending on when this episode drops. They do play tomorrow at one ten, and then again Sunday at one ten against the Tigers, and then they welcome in the Rays. Socks are at home for the next couple of days. If you got a chance, you know, go up, go to great guaranteed rate field and uh, you know, support this ball club. Yeah, always good to see fans in the stands. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Wait. Come on.